I'm sure that many of you know people in your life that are carrying a particular burden. Maybe you're carrying a burden, but I'm thinking about people who are around you who are carrying a particular burden. And maybe you have an experience or as a believer, as a Christian, of failing to rescue or deliver a person from their burden that they may carry. What do I, what do I mean by a burden? A burden is something that is carried, something that is oppressive, something that is difficult to bear. We all know people who have a burden, something that is difficult to bear. And maybe a sensitive spot for, for some of you, and that's understandable. Um, but the question I want to raise is, why is it difficult for us to deliver or rescue people from burdens? Uh, the reason why I ask that question, because that's the, the question that the text that we're going to look at this morning is dealing with. It's helping uh, people to rescue others from their burdens. And the text we're going to look at this morning is in Exodus chapter, 11, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And we're going to look at a person, his name is Moses. We talked about his birth last week. But we're going to look at a person who's known for doing great things for God. Moses was a person that God had used in a very powerful way. But what's great about the Bible is that you will see that the Bible gives oftentimes a, a full picture of a person that God will use. We often think of Moses as a mighty leader, a powerful agent that God was using, performing miracles for God. But Moses wasn't always that way. Moses had failed in his life. He failed early on in his life when he attempted to do something for God. And what did he fail to do? Moses failed to deliver God's people from their burdens. He failed to do that. And as I look at the world today and I ask, I ask myself the question, are we failing to deliver God's people from their burden? Is the church failing to deliver God's people from their burdens. Why is that? What will God do if we do fail to deliver God's people or help them in the midst of their burdens? Why do we fail at that? And what does God do and what would be the result when God does work, when we do fail at something like helping people, rescuing them from their particular burden? Here we're going to see Moses actually fail at his first attempt to do what God has called him to do, and that's to rescue the people of Israel from Egypt. So let's just keep that idea in mind. When a person fails to deliver God's people or when a leader fails to deliver God's people from their burdens, why does that happen? First of all, a person's failure to deliver God's people from their burden is often due to spiritual immaturity, verses 11 and 12. And what I mean by immaturity, 
I define it this way, or this is one of the definitions. Someone who is not fully developed, someone who is lacking wisdom, insight, or emotional stability. An immature person who someone expresses it oftentimes in emotional instability. Keep that in mind as we read verses 11 and 12. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He goes out one day, and he looks at an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He sees an injustice, something that was not right. You can tell that he has a heart for what is right. So he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And what does he do? He looks this way. He looks that way. And if he sees no one, he kills the Egyptian. Was he emotionally mature? Was he handling his emotions right when he saw an injustice? No, he did not conduct himself well. He was emotionally unstable. This is obviously seen in the clear example of the killing of the Egyptian. Oftentimes the Bible will give us examples that are, are, are very, very extreme. Killing someone is an extreme act. And the reason why this is given to us is not only because it's historically true, but it's to highlight the immaturity of Moses. He is spiritually immature. Now, there's a question raised, did Moses do this intentionally? Was he, when he looked this way and he looked that way, did he do that because what he was trying to do was making sure that he wasn't get caught because he had every intention on killing the Egyptian? Was this his motive, was to actually end the Egyptian's life? We'll never know the answer to that question. It's not stated for us. It is interesting to note that there's an interesting phrase. He says, when Moses saw no one, he killed the Egyptian. That same phrase, when he saw no one, is mentioned in Isaiah 59, 15 and 16, where it says this, the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one, he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So many believe that when Moses saw no one, he looked this way and he looked that way, and when he saw no one to intervene, he slew the Egyptian, minimizing the intent as not murder but manslaughter. In other words, he didn't want to kill the Egyptian. He just lost control of, him, of his emotions, and it led to the taking of the Egyptian's life. Either way, it's really, it doesn't matter whether he intended to kill him or not. The point is, he couldn't control his emotions when he saw an injustice, and it demonstrated that he was immature and wasn't ready. It's interesting that the text says that when Moses, when Moses was grown. Yeah, in what way? He was surely grown physically, he was able to kill an Egyptian taskmaster, but spiritually was another question. He was spiritually immature to do what God has called him to do. And that is true today. 
that many who are being called to deliver people from their burdens, that includes not just leaders of the church, but Christians who are called to lead people out of darkness into the light, often fail to rescue people from their burdens. Whatever burden one may be facing is because they see spiritual immaturity in us. It's a factor. I know this because I see on Facebook and on media people who are Christians who claim the name of Jesus Christ and they say things on that website or on a particular site that they have no business saying. I see that in conversations among pastors, both within and outside of the denomination. If you saw some of the things that some of the leaders are saying on Facebook or Twitter, you may say, my goodness, this person is a leader? Spiritual immaturity. It's one of the reasons why leaders and Christians and churches are unable to rescue people and deliver people from their burdens is because of spiritual immaturity. That's Moses. Secondly, a person's failure to deliver God's people from their burden is often due to a lack of credibility. Verses 13 and 14. And when he, Moses, went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking or attacking or beating your companion? Then he said, well, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. What thing? His act, what was the act? The killing of the Egyptian. News got around. This is interesting. The text says on the second day, the very next day, after Moses killed the Egyptian, news got out. Because you know why? Bad news travels fast. And when people who claim to be God's people do things that are ungodly, you'll be surprised at how fast that message or that news gets around. Somehow, we don't know how, the two Hebrew people are fighting each other. And Moses goes to the one who is doing the wrong, who is acting unjustly. Once again, we see Moses having a desire for what is just. Okay? But he goes up to the Hebrew and says, why are you beating your companion? And what does the one who knows that Moses did something wrong, what does he say? Well, who made you judge over us? Who, who are you to tell me what I should and shouldn't do? You know why the Hebrew said that? Because he had no credibility. Once the news of what we have done gets out there, our credibility and our influence goes by the wayside. And once our credibility as leaders or as Christians, as the church, goes by the wayside, you're never going to be able, we will never be able to help people rescue them from their burdens, no matter what they're going through. Isn't that true? Credibility is defined this way, the quality of being trusted and believed in. In other words, the Hebrew is saying, how do I know, Moses, that the anger that you expressed in killing the Egyptian won't at some point in the future be directed at me? I can't trust you. So those two reasons why the church leaders and Christians, you and me, will fail at rescuing people from their burdens is because, number one, we are spiritually immature, and number two, we lack credibility in the church. 
we lack credibility in our lives. When the bad news gets out, there ain't nothing you're going to do. And that's what's happening to Moses. He's attempting to deliver the people out of Egypt. You say, well, how do you know that he thinks that God is calling him to do this at this particular point in time? It is interesting that in the book of Acts, if you're familiar with the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, is giving testimony to other Jews, and he brings up the uh, story concerning Moses, and this is what he says. Now, when he, Moses, was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. So Moses understood that God was calling him to deliver the people of Egypt out of Israel, to rescue his countrymen. But he failed for two reasons, immaturity, lack of credibility. And those are two very important reasons why Christians are going to not be successful in the same endeavor, in rescuing people from their burdens. So we have to look at ourselves and say, am I credible? Am I spiritually mature? How do we react when we see something that's not just? Thirdly, a person's failure to deliver God's people from their burdens will often lead God to move the person to a new environment and a new beginning. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, that is from his presence, and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. He dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. What does it mean? What's Midian? What significance does Midian have? Because of what he had done, he had to flee because he, Pharaoh was going to kill him. So he has to leave. So he goes to Midian. What kind of, what kind of land was Midian? Midian was rural. It was very pastoral. It was serene. It was Parsely populated. God wanted to get him away from Egypt, which was filled with violence, oppression, beating the Hebrew people. And what happened was that Moses was so a part of the Egyptian culture, he's trying to do God's work in the world's cultural ways, and that will never fly. He had become Egyptian in his culture by how he dealt with issues. And God says, I got to get him out of Egypt. It's a lot easier to get God uh, to get Moses. It's a lot easier for God to get Moses out of Egypt than to get the Egypt out of Moses. Isn't that true? So he moves, he moves Moses and goes, brings him to Midian in a nice, quiet, rural, pastoral setting, so that he can learn and grow and to develop as a godly person, a godly leader that God was eventually going to use. Now he also sat by a well. What's the significance of a well? The well was often representative of a new beginning. In Genesis chapter 24, we see that Isaac ends up finding a wife at a well. In Genesis chapter 29, it was Jacob who discovers a wife at a well. A wife, marriage, it's a new beginning. The well is representing and symbolizing a new beginning. And God, what he's doing, because Moses needed to mature and he had no credibility with the people that he was around, 
He moved him to a new location so he could start over again. So oftentimes, when a person fails to deliver and rescue God's people from their burdens, God will often lead the person to a new environment and to a new beginning. That doesn't necessarily mean limited to just people who fail at delivering or rescuing people from God's uh, from their burdens. New beginnings and God may move you whatever you may have failed in something at some point in your life. Maybe you failed at a job, you failed at a relationship, you failed at your career. God may want you to go to a different place to start a new beginning. He has been called the biggest bust in NBA history. His name is Darko Milicic. How many of you have ever heard of him? Not many. No, I don't see one person because you play basketball. Other than you, no one else does. You know why? Because he failed. If he became a successful, it's funny because the only time you hear about people's failures is when they become successful and then you kind of go back and you read their stories of how they became successful. You like Michael Jordan. He got cut in high school, 10th grade. You hear about his failures because he became successful. But those who never become successful in our definition of success, world definition of success, you don't hear about their failures. You don't hear about them at all. Well, this is Darko Milicic, a largely unknown player from Serbia who was chosen second in the 2003 NBA draft right after LeBron James and before NBA All-Stars Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Imagine carrying that burden, biggest failure of all time, everywhere you go forever. Do you ever feel like that? Feel like a failure? You're not a failure. We may have failed in doing something, but it's different than calling oneself a failure. God doesn't see you as a failure. Darko never developed his talent For his entire career in the NBA, Darko played little and scored little. It was a miserable time in his life. A recent article on ESPN.com captured some of his anger and frustration. He would often come home after a game and channel his rage by punching holes in the walls of his apartment. He says, I was lost. I really came to hate basketball, you know. I just wanted to come back home and live another life which is exactly what he did. He moved back to Serbia, settled down with his wife and children, started a new life as a fruit farmer. He's been the happiest he's ever been. A failure, a person's failure to deliver God's people from their burden will often lead God to move the person to a new environment and a new beginning. That's exactly what he did with Moses. And he will do that with you as well. That may take some discernment on our part, but it's true. Fourthly, a person's failure to deliver God's people from their burdens can provide a future opportunity to demonstrate personal growth and development. Verses 16 and 17. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters, And they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now, I want you to notice what has happened here. He is going through 
almost exactly the same situation when he was in Egypt, when he saw an injustice, a Hebrew beating an Egyptian. Now he's in Midian, a different location, and he's seeing something unjust going on. What's he seeing? He's seeing the shepherds mistreating the women. In Egypt, it was a strong, powerful Egyptian taskmaster beating and oppressing the weak Israelite slave. Here, it's the strong male shepherds oppressing the weak women. I say weak because that was the cultural understanding of women at that time. And Moses, being a just man, sees the injustice, and he responds. But does he respond the same way when he, uh, as he did when he uh, defended the Israelite, when he killed the Egyptian? He doesn't respond in the same way. What does he do here that's different? He rescues the women, and he waters their flock. Notice what happened. His focus and his emphasis is on the one who was being oppressed. When he was in Egypt and he saw the Egyptian kill the Hebrew, his focus was not on the one being oppressed. It was on the oppressor. Here he shows concern for the one who was hurting and suffering. And we know that because he rescued them. He was concerned about their present welfare, but he also watered the flocks, concerned about their future well-being. So that's the issue. What we have seen here is Moses' change. He has grown. He's not the same person in Midian as he was in Egypt. And we know that because God put him through a test that was very similar to the one in Egypt, but he responded differently. So what you're seeing is Moses mature. That's what's happening. His failure provided him an opportunity down the road to be tested by God to see how he was going to respond. And he responded in the right way, and it showed that he had now changed and mature. If you ever find yourself in life, finding, if you find yourself in situations that seem to be, keep happening in your life, and you can't explain why, and they're really not something that you're engineering on your own. You just seem to keep finding yourself in these kinds of situations. It could be because God is, trying, is testing you to see how you're going to respond to see if you are growing as a Christian so that he can entrust you with more responsibility. That's what's happening with Moses. Fifthly, a person who has grown or changed as a result of failing to deliver God's people from their burden, will reestablish the credibility that was once lost. Verses 18 to 20. When they came to rule, or Jethro was their name, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? He's speaking to his daughters. And they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Now, isn't it interesting? Notice the contrast to the response of Moses' action in Midian with the response to Moses while he was in Egypt. The, the Israelite, rejected Moses' leadership. They didn't want to do anything. They didn't want to follow him at all. They wanted nothing to do with Moses and following him. Here, we see the exact opposite. 
The man hears what Moses had done for his daughters, and he says, well, go get him. Bring him to me. I want to eat with him. What has happened is that he was rejected by his people in Egypt. Now he's being accepted by a foreign people in Midian. Once again, highlighting the fact that he has now regained trust and credibility. The father trusted Moses enough to come over his house to eat bread with him, and he would eventually give him his own daughter as a wife. Moses has reestablished his credibility, his influence. It's exactly what has happened. That's not something he had in Egypt. So it shows us that though we may fail in our walk with God and what he's calling us to do, doesn't mean that your influence is totally gone forever. He may have to relocate you somewhere else. And though you may not get the same kind of influence in the person's life that you may have offended in the past, doesn't mean you will not ever be able to have influence and credibility in the eyes of other people. You're still useful And God can still use you, though you may have lost your credibility because of some past sin. That doesn't mean that you can't get it back if you allow God to change you from the inside out. That's what happened to Moses. And it can happen to you, and it can happen to me as well. And sixthly, a person who has grown or changed as a result of failing to deliver God's people from their burden will identify with the people that they're being called to rescue verses 21 and 22. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Ziphra his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, Ger meaning alien, Som meaning there, literally meaning Gershom means an alien there, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. That's what he says. He names his firstborn son in Midian and says his name is Gershom, for I have been an alien in a foreign land. Well, guess what? That's what the Israelites were. They were foreigners in a foreign land, but when he was in Egypt, he never identified himself with them. When he went out to look at the people, he never joined them and identified with them. He just simply looked at their burdens. He was not willing to empathize and suffer along with them. He just wanted to do what was right, kill the Egyptian, and that was the end of it. But he needed to grow. He needed to mature. And one side of maturity is one's ability to identify with those whom you are called to rescue and deliver. Moses got it. He's now at the place where he identifies himself with the people he's being called to rescue. And guess what? Now he's ready to be used by God to go back to Egypt. And that's what happens in Exodus chapter 3 when he sees God in the mountain and he receives his calling because now he's ready. He has changed. He has matured. If it happened to Moses, it could happen to you and to me. And Moses was a person who took someone's life and God used in a very, very powerful way. It doesn't matter where you are right now in your life. You may feel or think that you're a failure or have failed in the past and something has got its claw in you and you can't get rid of it and you think, eh, what can I be? What can I do? Moses is... Example 1A of what God can do in a person's life, even though he has failed in what God has called him to do and to be. And that should give us encouragement and hope, no matter where we are, no matter what we're dealing with in life. You may be struggling with something, failing something, you feel like a failure. No, no. God knows you. He sees you where you're at. 
and he will work in your life to change you just like he did with Moses. And this is an encouraging word for both you and for me. Amen? Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Uh, your Bible is amazing because it, it gives a full portrait of your people that you have used. We often focus on the wonderful things that, and the powerful things that you do through the lives of your servants, and sometimes we give more credit to the servants than we ought to. The servants, Lord, are just vessels that you use where your power and your grace can be shed, it can be manifest to the world around us. It is you that deserve all the glory. You deserve all the power, all the honor, all the praise. And we see that, Lord, in what you have done in the life of Moses. We see in a very short, summary way how you transformed his life to be the person that you've called him to be. And Lord, we know that there are people here in this, in this building who are hurting and struggling, who may be, feel that they have failed at something or may even feel that they're a failure. But Lord, you don't create failures. We fall short for sure. But you're willing to meet us where we are and to change us. And if we just simply hand over our hearts to you, to do with as you wish, you will take us and mold us and shape us to be the kind of person that you want us to be so that you can use us and fulfill the purpose that you have for our lives. We see this in the life of Moses. And may that be true of each and every single one of us. So, Lord, I just ask that you would bless each and every single person here this morning, that no matter where they are, what they're experiencing, that you can take what is broken and you can make it whole and make it useful, something beautiful for your purposes. And we give you all the glory and the praise and recognition for the work that you're doing, both in us, through us, in this world. Lord, we just... Give you thanks and praise. Amen. Our closing song this morning is When We See Your Face. Please stand. The lyrics will be on the screen.
see his face. We will see him face to face. But until that time, we have to journey in this foreign temporary land for a season. And you're not alone. You are loved. And Jesus Christ, the one who has risen from the dead, is with you. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now go in peace. Amen.